glad tonight to have three young men. They're not going to sing, but they're going to take part in different ways. First of all, we have Mr. Ryan Malone here from our Carrie Duff Church, and he's going to read the scriptures, scriptures to us. And then we have David Crawford from Carrie Duff. He's going to give a short word of testimony, and also David Orr. And he's going to bring a short report on a missionary trip he was on to the Philippines. So, Ryan, David, first of all, come on ahead, please. Scripture's taken from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Salah. There's a river, the streams whereof mountains, mountains make glad the city of God, the holy place and the, of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Salah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He, bringeth, he breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will exult, I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Salah. Thank you. Good evening. My name's David Crawford. I'm 16 years old and I've been here in Cairo Free Church all my life. If you have your Bibles with you, can you turn to me, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. It says, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt lose on earth shall be lost in heaven. I was born to a Christian home with saved parents and grandparents, so from a very young age I knew and learned a lot about God, along with many people throughout the Bible. Throughout my childhood I attended Sunday school, the Wednesday night children's meeting, the Holiday Bible Club and church. With going to all these events in the church, I knew that I was a sinner that needed to repent from my sin and turn to God, but had not come to realize, realization of my sin. One Sunday evening in the old church, Reverend McLaughlin was preaching on the verse that we read at the beginning in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. The Reverend McLaughlin told us as a congregation that not everyone on earth will all be in heaven, only people that are saved by the grace of God will be in heaven and everyone else will be damned in hell for eternity. Reverend McLaughlin made reference 
that if your family members are saved and you're not, you will be separated forever, for your family will be in heaven and you will be damned in hell. This is when I started to come under conviction of knowing that I was a sinner against God and that I needed to be saved. As I was sitting there in the seat, this thought of being in hell, separated from family, kept coming back into my head. This then continued into the following week. At the close of the meeting that Sunday evening, Reverend McLaughlin asked the congregation the question, Where will you be for eternity, heaven or hell, if this was to be your last night on earth? With this question asked, it seemed like Mr. McLaughlin was speaking to me directly, and that really got me under conviction of my sin and my need of salvation. Through the next week, this particular question troubled me. Till one night, I couldn't get to sleep, and that I heard the call of God calling me, just like Samuel in the Old Testament. And that night, by my bedside, I gave my life to God. I can't remember the exact date, but know that what happened from that very moment, I knew that if that was to be my last night on earth, that I would be bound for heaven. I knew that that I knew that my eternity would be spent in heaven with my Saviour, and that I am now a sinner saved by grace. I would like to ask the same question that I was faced with. Where will you spend eternity? Thank you. Thanks, David. Just before I show these slides, I just want to read two verses to you. You don't need to turn them up. The first one is from Job chapter 9 and verse 11. It was a verse that God used to challenge me about this particular mission trip. And it says, Lo, he goeth by me, and I see him not. He passeth on also, but I perceive him not. The second verse I want to read to you is a verse that God gave me the night before we were leaving. And it's found in Leviticus 26, verse 6. And I will give peace in the land, and ye shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will rid evil beasts out of the land, Neither shall the sword go through your land. Amen. So in October of 2018, just past there, there was a group of six of us that went out on a mission trip to the Philippines to see Uncle Noel. Now Uncle Noel, uh, if you don't know him, he was involved in children's work on the martyrs for, for a long time. And in the last 20 years or so, he moved out to the Philippines to start a work of God there. In the picture, there's six of us there who were out on the trip. From the left, there's myself, and then William Philip Harton, who was the leader, and is also running a trip to the Philippines this incoming year in October as well. And then Ruth, Leanne, and Chloe from all parts of Northern Ireland, Dungannon, Six Mile Cross, and along Scarva, Portadown, and Glengormley. Slide number two. So this just simply shows the first flight path we went on. We left Dublin on Friday, Friday, I think it was. And we spent about 26 hours traveling from Dublin to the Philippines. Next slide, you'll see we went to uh, Abu Dhabi. And then from Abu Dhabi, then we flew on to Manila. See, just to give an idea of where the Philippines are, if you see where Manila is in the map there, run your eye down, you see Davao and then the equator. If you were to draw a straight line down from Manila, you'd be in Australia. Next slide. And that's just a sign that they had up for us in the church there. And the next slide then, please. So this is just the church building 
uh, Noel's living quarters that you're just seeing now. And then the next slide. So this is the Monday night, our first Monday night there. And they had a Bible study for us. You'll see at the top of the table, there's Noel with the accordion. So that night we just sang choruses and then Noel gave us a lesson from the word of God. And on the right-hand side there of the table, you'll see a number of girls sitting there. At the top of the table there, left to right, you have Jamaica and then Jen. These two ladies were cooking for us during the time there. They also teach in the day school, which is connected with the church, and are also involved in the Sunday school. The three girls sitting next to them in order are Marielle, Andrea, and Eliza. These girls are aged 18 and 17 and are heavily involved in the Sunday school. They themselves received as a result of the Sunday school work, and now they are teaching the children that are growing up in Pasag City, Manila. Next slide, please. So this was us going out in the street outreach. We did this a couple of days. We'd take two or three meetings, different areas. There'd be choruses and a lesson from the Word of God. So you can see Noel there with the accordion. So he'd just start playing the accordion and the children come running out to hear what's going on. They know the meeting's coming. Um, This was our first meeting that we had, one of the smaller ones. And you can see Jamaica there. She was taking the story of Jonah. The meetings themselves are conducted in Tagalog, which is their dialect in the Philippines, in that particular area. And the choruses are mostly in English, apart from We Shall Never March With the Infantry, which they sing in Tagalog. And then the next slide, please. Again, just more pictures of another meeting. That's a pretty well-attended meeting. Most of these areas are where uh, there are Sunday school classes. We were just going to them during the week when the schools would have been off at this particular time. Next slide, please. Just another meeting. This one particularly is uh, Nanny Gregoria's house. Uh, She's in her 80s and she approached Noel about having a Sunday school just outside her home. So they meet there every Sunday. And the next slide, please. This is just a couple of photos of us just after the meeting, just with the children. Just the next one. So Chloe's hair was very... I'd never seen all this blonde hair before, so really intrigued by that. Next slide. So this meeting, uh, Jen was speaking. Uh, she was speaking on Zacchaeus. And it was actually kind of funny at this meeting where we were sitting here. We looked up and about a few buildings up, about three stories up at the very top of the building, we seen this boy looking down as Jen's telling the story of Zacchaeus. Send Noel sitting and he starts to wave him down. Sure enough, he did come down. He didn't come right down to the meeting, but he did come down the building and sat in the bottom of the stairs just a little bit up from us. So we saw Zacchaeus in action. Next slide, please. So this is the Grand Sunday School. This is held once a month. Usually in the Sunday School, it works a bit different from our Sunday Schools. The young people go out in pairs. They go out into the different areas and take the Sunday School. It happens at 8 a.m. in the Sunday morning. So if you're in bed late on Saturday night, I'd encourage you to pray for that because they're eight hours ahead of us. So if you're going to bed at midnight, their Sunday school will be starting. So as soon as you're, before you go to bed, pray for the Sunday school as that takes place. Um, you can see there, that's in the church building. So it is pretty well filled with all those boys and girls. Next slide, please. 
And then this is just the best boy and the best girl being presented with uh, pictures, which you'll see again later on. Next slide. This is just a picture from the Sunday service which we attended. You can see again the church is pretty well filled. There is a lot of young people that attend this church and I would encourage you to pray for their parents as a lot of them are still in Roman Catholicism which is the main uh, religion of that country. So I would encourage you if you do not remember any specific names that come from this short report just remember the parents. Pray that they would be saved. There is a number of them which have started attending the church there is some that have even got saved. Pray that God would continue to work among them. So this slide, this was a, it was a special Sunday. It's Pastor's Appreciation Day. So they had special singing. Here you see the women of the congregation singing. And in the next slide, you see the young people were singing as well. And then the slide following, just a small presentation, Noel cake, which was delicious. And the next slide... When we were there, we had the uh, youth camp. It was over two and a half days. They have two youth camps during the year. It was well talented, about 30, 40 young people there. The theme uh, it was entitled Constructing God's Design, with the theme being the building of the temple during those couple of days. Next slide, please. So as you can see, this is the ones that attended the youth camp. Uh, you can see there were three teams, the violet team, yellow team and the pink team. Uh, I kept up hard and going. His team, the purple team, was called Builder of the Wall, so it's keeping going by Trump. And then my team was Keeper of the Door, so they were calling me the Bouncer. Next slide, please. So at the start of the two days, the youth uh, camp started on the Sunday afternoon. That's when they usually have their weekly youth meeting. It's three o'clock on Sunday afternoon. So that's when we started the youth camp. And then we had a time of fellowship there on the Sunday and then on the Monday morning and on the Tuesday morning we started the day off with devotions. These were about half five in the morning. Now the first morning I must have slept in like they were arriving at what they call Filipino time or what we call free pee time pretty late and then after the devotion there was time of games and then after the games there was a morning service uh, followed by lunch and then again after lunch more games and then an evening service and more games. So we were in there from half five in the morning till about ten, half ten at night. Next slide, please. Just some photos from the games and from the times of fellowship and reading of God's word together. And then the next slide, please. So here you can see the pictures. These were made by our team that were right there. Um, we were, boys were cutting the wood, and then the girls got the pictures ready and laminated, and then helped us with the sanding and putting the pins in. And then these picture frames are going to be for the boys and girls that attend the Sunday school. Two of them were given out earlier, as we saw, at the Grand Sunday School, which they held. And the next slide, please. So just as we get towards the end of these slides... I just want to let you see some of the young people that were out there when we were there and are still there. And uh, from the left here, you see Carlos and then again and, uh, Eliza and Andrea. These three are involved in the Sunday school. Again, 16, 17, 18 years of age. And then we have Christine and Sean, 13, 14 years of age. And then next we have Ray. He's the same age as himself. Uh, so I had a nice few ride in the back of his bike. Uh, 
on the wee, wee roads. We were going around hardware shops. We were actually looking for goggles because of the saw that Phil was using. And uh, you can probably guess we didn't find any goggles. I don't use them out there. Uh, the next slide. So this, from left to right, is Jamaica, then Jen and Jenny Rose. The two girls in the ends are sisters, and they were saved through the Sunday school, and now teaching themselves. The girl on the right, Jenny Rose, she works in a travel agents, and she arranged just a two-day uh, two trip for us, just as a break, where we went to another Philippine island called Marindique, and it was eight-hour drive and then a two-hour boat journey to get to this island, and we spent the day there. It was quite a nice break. I would describe it just like Madagascar, just the film, you know, just the white sand, and then the drinking out of the coconuts, that was good crack as well. Um, next slide, please. So again, this is just Jamaica and Jen, who were cooking for us, some amazing meals. And then next slide. So this is the core of the young people. From left to right, Sean, Carlos, myself, Andrea, Eliza, Marielle, Manny, and then two at the front, Christine and Azalea. The girl at the very front there, Azalea, I would ask you to pray for her. Uh, she's considering going to Bible college. Her dad died when she was young. She doesn't remember her dad. Her mom is Roman Catholic. Um, I understand that she has been out at the church, started going. I'm not sure if she's still going. I'd like to find that out. But if you could just pray for Azalea and pray for her mum, that her mum would get saved and that her mum would not be a hindrance onto her if the Lord indeed wants her to go to Bible college. Pray just for the young people in general as they're at the same sort of stage as ourselves, like at the age of 18 or so, they're deciding, do I go to university? Do I go to Bible college? Do I go straight into a job? Pray that the Lord would lead and guide and direct them in this decision, as obviously their parents want the best for them, they want especially the oldest in the family to be well educated, to get a good job, bring in money into the home, and then just, that'll fund the next person in the family. Just as a close, there's, I received a message from Noel Stevenson the other day, and I just want to read part of that to you as he's looking prayers. They are holding uh, DVBs, which are daily vocational Bible studies, uh, round the th in April, May time. It'll, it'll be in the 3rd of May. They're going up visiting pastors in the mountains. It'll involve 20 hours driving, stopping here, stopping there, preaching to children who've never heard the gospel. So pray that those children would indeed be touched by the Holy Ghost and even be saved. Just pray for journeying mercies on those roads and for even help as they travel and words from the Lord to speak to the boys and to the girls. So just pray for the work. We even pray for Ray that we saw on the motorbike. Again, his mum is unsaved, Roman Catholic, but praise the Lord, she's been starting to come to the church. It's the same with Jenny Rose's mum. So do pray for the young people, that they would continue to follow the Lord. And I pray that even you'd be encouraged at seeing these young people, the real joy in the work of the Lord and their heavy involvement in it. And again, I stress again, pray for their parents you're unsaved and deceived by Roman Catholicism. And as I said as well, even Saturday night when you're getting to bed, pray for the Sunday schools that will probably be starting when you're getting down to sleep. Salamat, that's thank you for listening and may God bless.
We'd like to thank Ryan very much for reading God's Word to us, first of all. We really appreciate that, Ryan. And for David Crawford for giving a word of testimony, a great word of testimony, not just uh, a soul saved from sin, and that is tremendous, but a life saved from sin. And uh, we thank God for your testimony tonight. And for David Orr for giving the report in the Philippines. Uh, we enjoyed that, and we thank you for that. And many opportunities, young people, in our own church and uh, other organizations to go out and serve the Lord. But most of all, and most important, first of all, to serve the Lord in your own church, where the Lord has you even in your own youth fellowship, lifting the hymn books, tidying the toilets, clearing away the seats. The Lord will trust you with those things, first of all, and then he'll trust you with the greater things. But we do appreciate the three young men uh, for taking part tonight. I'm going to ask the Reverend McLaughlin now to come and bring God's word to us, please. Well, we do indeed thank uh, Andrew for leading the meeting for us and for those who have taken part. It was certainly delightful to have the word of God read and to have our young brother David give that sterling word of testimony. And we were really thrilled with the report. And we have some Filipino uh, families coming to the church and we're grateful for that, and we're just sorry that they're not with us uh, this evening. Now we're going to read from the Word of God. I get my glasses. I'm a lot older than most of you, if not all. I see John Woods laughing at the back. He would agree with that. Um, I, I want to just read a very short portion of Scripture. Uh, and I'm reading tonight uh, from 2 Samuel chapter 18. And we read these words in verse 29. And the king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Ahimaaz answered, When Job sent the king's servant, and me thy servant, I saw a great tumult, but I knew not what it was. And the king said unto him, Turn aside and stand here, and he turned aside and stood still. And behold, Cushai came, and Cushai said, Tidings, my lord the king, for the Lord hath avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee. And the king said unto Cushai, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, The enemies of my lord the king, and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt, be as that young man is. And the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, thus he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. Let's bow together in a wee word of prayer. Lord, we thank thee for this meeting tonight. We thank thee for this gathering of young people, and we thank you for the work and witness of our youth council. We thank you for all our fellowships, especially those in the greater Belfast area, and we appreciate all who have come tonight. And Lord, we're asking thee to accept our thanks as we have sung these old hymns, as we have listened, Lord, to the reading of the Word of God, as David has shared his personal testimony. Lord, as Brother David Orr has given us this report of the work in the Philippines, we do thank you for Brother Noel Stevenson. Thank you for the work of God there in Manila. And we pray you'll bless the work of God. 
And those prayer requests that have been asked for, you'll answer. And Lord, you'll save mummies. And Lord, you'll save brothers and sisters. And you'll save many more, even through the preaching of the word of God. Bless the Sunday school. Bless every attempted outreach. And Lord, do remember the work of our own council, especially that gospel tent mission in September. And remember all the outreach that are planned, whether it's in Liverpool or in Liberia or Limavady. We commit it to thee and those teams that will go. And we pray thy help and thy blessing to be upon them. Now, Lord, as we come to a close at this meeting, we commit it to thee. We pray you'll shut us further in with thyself, draw near, bring every distraction, bring every thought, thought, Lord, into captivity to thyself. Cleanse and cover us now in the precious blood and pour out thy spirit and let thy word of free course and all who hear it, not only here tonight, but those on the internet, Lord, use thy word, we pray for thy glory. Lord, answer tonight, undertake we asked, and help me to be a faithful signpost to Christ. Therefore, cleanse me in the blood, and come and quicken me, and fill me with thy Holy Spirit, and use thy word to speak to young men, young ladies, and all of us this evening, even the children that are present. Lord, of mercy we pray, for we ask this tonight for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Now, my text tonight is taken from 2 Samuel, chapter 18, verse 29. And it asks the question, and the king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? And my theme tonight is this. Is the young man safe? Or are you safe? Now, this question was asked twice by King David to two men who brought him news of the battle. Sometime earlier, one of David's sons by the name of Absalom had thrown caution to the wind and attempted a planned coup to seize his father's throne and control of the land of Israel. Absalom had pronounced himself to be king in Hebron. David, of course, had to flee the capital. He himself wasn't involved in the battle that followed. His army was divided into three groups, one under Joab, one under the control of Abishai, Joab's nephew, and a third under the control of a man called Ittai. Specific instruction was given by David to each of his generals. Listen to what he says in 2 Samuel chapter 18 and in the verse 5. And the king commanded Joab, Abishai, and Ittai, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man, even with Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captains charge concerning Absalom. You see, these three generals were told, Deal kindly with the young man for my sake. Absalom at this time had rallied 20,000 men under his command. The battle was set in array in the wood of Ephraim. And here's the battle now drawing to a close. It was over. But there's a dreadful calamitous scene unfolding. 20,000 choice men lie dead. Many thousands have been slain by the sword. And even more were devoured by the wood and the, the rough terrain. The rebellion had been put down. Runners were dispatched to bring news to the king. The rebellion is over. The threat is lifted. 
You can return to your throne room. David's in the watchtower. He's told by someone that there's a runner. And David says if he's alone, he has got tidings in his mouth. He's told there's a second runner. David replies, well, he too has tidings in his mouth. And as the first runner, Ahimeaz, comes to speak to the king, telling the king all is well in verse 8, Notice David's first reply in verse 9. And David said, is the young man Absalom safe? It was exactly the same question directed at Cushai, who had come in some minutes later. Is the young man safe? Now David's not asking, is my kingdom now safe and secure? He's not asking, how many dead are there? And young people, war is a terrible thing. War is the scourge of any society. War is to be avoided at all cost. He's not asking how many are casualties, traumatized with uh, serious wounds. He's not asking, are my three generals safe and well? He's not even asking, well, how much does this cost the treasury of my government? He only had one thing in his mind, one concern. Now listen to me carefully, young people. Here it was. Is the young man safe? David had a concern for the physical, the mental, the emotional and spiritual and eternal well-being of young Absalom. And he cries out twice, is the young man safe? I want to ask tonight, are you safe? Because we have a concern for your physical, mental, emotional and spiritual and eternal well-being. And when I ask that tonight, I'm asking, are you saved? Are you in Christ? Are you born again of the Spirit? Are you walking in fellowship with Christ? Are you in Christ? Are you living for Christ with a strong burning desire? Are you living for Christ through the grace and strength of Christ so that one day you go to be with him? You see, that's our concern. Are you safe tonight? And you know, the sad reality is that many young people, not only in our churches and our young people's fellowships, but right throughout our communities and in our country, are not. That is, they're not safe in a physical, in a mental, in an emotional, in a spiritual and eternal sense. So I want to leave with you for maybe 15, 20 minutes, if you lend me your ears, this question. Is the young man safe? And ladies, that includes you. I know this is International Women's Day and I wouldn't want you to feel left out. And I I said to the Lord this afternoon who gave me this word, Lord, what about the young people? And and he said, well, I've given you a word for them. I said, what about the ladies, the young girls? And he said, the word's applicable to them. So some other night you come back to this church and I I preach a message uh, that's more applicable maybe to you, you young ladies. But I want you to learn three things, maybe four tonight. This is a fitting question. Is the young man safe? Now, let's ask this. Why did David ask this question about Absalom? And I want to give you the answer. You see, Absalom's sin and rebellion had placed him in the greatest possible danger. He was in great danger because of the course that he had adopted. Absalom was branded a traitor. 
Absalom faced the full rigor of the judicial system of his day. The law condemned him. His treachery and rebellion had placed him in mortal and imminent danger of death. He could be slain on the spot. His conduct was sinful and immoral. Absalom, the moment he decided to be a traitor, to try and seize the throne, he was a marked man. Now, Absalom had many advantages. Think of the house that he was born into. It was the royal house. It was in the land of Israel, in the city of Jerusalem. This young man, Absalom, belonged to the best family in the land. His father was the king. He was the king's son. He was one of the king's sons. And his dad was a man after God's own heart. That's twice recorded in the Bible. Acts chapter 13. So think of King David. He was a man who was converted. A man who in his youth trusted the Lord. Entered into a personal relationship with him by faith. A man who was committed to the cause of God for truth and righteousness. A a, a man of conviction. a, A man of courage. Think of him. The story of the bear, the story of the lion, the the story of killing Goliath. He was a man of compassion. He was a man who cared about the things of God. He worshipped God. He he walked with God. He he, he did a work for God. Remember the the 150 Psalms, uh, many of them Psalms of David. Uh, You think about his relationship to the word of God. Oh, how I love thy law. Uh, Many prayers of David are recorded in the Bible. His attendance at the house of God. Here's Absalom, and he's growing up in the best house in the land, born into the best family with a dad that has a heart for God. This man has a bright future. He's got a winsome personality. He's a man of physical beauty, young girls. You can read about that in 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse 5. He's a young man of promise and ability. But, but think of this. He turned his back on all these privileges. And in a spirit of treachery and rebellion, set his face against the very man who had brought him up. Set his face against his father. He, he wanted his father killed. Now, we have many young people in our land today. And God has given them privileges. And many young people in our fellowship have been born into a Christian home. They have a godly father and mother. And and in that home, Christ is honored. Prayer is offered. The Bible is read and explained. Love is displayed. Sin is confessed. And and all you know about the things of God, you've been taught from your your mother's knee, from, from the lips of your father. And tonight, I want to ask this, are you like Absalom, that you're throwing it all back in their face? And you see, we have many young people who have got this mindset of rebellion. I'll show you what I think of you and your God. And and God is mocked. And they live as if they're no God. No accountability to him. No dependence upon him. They they, they mock the day of God. How do I know that? Well, Well, they're absent from the house of God on a Sunday. They mock the gospel. For they don't want to be saved and live for Christ. They, they mock their father and mother. They, they count them as fools. They, they despise them. They, they, they mock the Bible. Oh, it, it's just an ordinary book. It, it's a book that contains errors. Professor so-and-so says. You see, here's Absalom, 
And here's the course of life that he adopted. He set his face on a pathway of treachery and rebellion. And and, and I want to ask tonight, have you decided to set your face on a course of rebellion? Decided that you're going to live in sin and live for yourself. And that no God is going to tell you what to do. No mother and father is going to tell you what to do. No preacher is going to tell you what to do. Well, I want to say tonight, Absalom placed himself in serious danger by living for sin and self. And if you set your face to live for sin and self, you will also place yourself in grave danger. He was in grave danger because of the companions he embraced. As Absalom plotted his rebellion, he surrounded himself with some of the worst kind of people and companions. In 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 10, he sent spies throughout all the land into all the towns and cities. And he told them, when you hear the sound of the trumpet in Hebron, I want you to shout this, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. According to 2 Samuel 15 verse 11, he took 200 men with him who didn't really know what was happening. They were the hired help. In verse 12 of the same chapter, he had a man called Ahithophel, uh, a Gilanite, uh, who was uh, David's counselor. And it also tells us in the very same verse that the conspiracy was strong for Absalom. Now, now think of this man, Ahithophel, for a moment. One of David's most trusted advisors. So, so he turns against David. Do you know what the name Ahithophel means? Young people, it means a foolish brother. A brother of folly. If I could put it in colloquial terms, a sl- slimy brother or a, a slithery brother. That's what it means. And it was to this man, Ahithophel, that Absalom turned to for advice. And, and his meaning of his name gives us a revelation of the kind of man he was. He was not a man to be trusted. And, and here's these spies sent into all the uh, tribes and all the towns. 200 men who know really nothing uh, following uh, Absalom. They're probably paid to, to ask no questions. They have no idea what they're being led into. And here's Absalom, and he's ruined because of following bad advice. Absalom couldn't discern between right and wrong. He couldn't discern between truth and error. And I want to ask this tonight. Are you living by bad advice? Do you know that the Bible tells us over there in the book of Psalms, thinking about the godly man? We got Ryan to read one of those lovely Psalms tonight. But in Psalm 1, we read this. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. The godly man is characterized by the rejection of bad advice. And the godly man's telling us, here's how to live. Reject bad advice. And maybe you're here as a young person, you're getting bad advice. Maybe your advice is from the television. Maybe it's from the internet. Maybe it's from ungodly friends. Maybe it's an ungodly work colleague. Maybe as a student, you have an ungodly professor at university and you're under their influence. You're under their spell. And, and your friends, your colleagues, your, 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 even your fellow students, they have an anti-God mindset, an anti-God bias. 
And, and the advice that you're getting is really the advice of the ungodly, of sinners, of scorners and scoffers. And what do they tell us? There's no God. The Bible's not true. Sin's no big deal. You, you can handle it. There's no place as hell. You don't need to be saved. There's no day of reckoning or accountability. Absalom was in great danger because of the companions that he embraced. He was also in grave danger because of the confidence he displayed. You see, Absalom thought he was invincible. He was a proud man. He believed he could do as he pleased. He believed that all he attempted, that he was going to succeed. I'm untouchable. You've heard of the untouchables? Well, Absalom was one of them. He thought he was invincible. He, he, he's full of pride. He, he's proud about his beauty and his appearance. He has no blemish. His fleshly appearance is very good. You'll read about that in 2 Samuel 14, verse 25. Verse 26 tells us that he's proud of his hair. He even weighed it. And, and the weight of it was worth about 200 shekels, according to the shekel of the day. Here's this young man. And he's adopted this course to live in sin and rebellion to God. And maybe like him, you too have ungodly companions and you too like him you're full of confidence and you feel I'm invincible I'm untouchable and, and I'm my own boss and my life won't end in failure or misery and, and, and you persuade yourself like Absalom did that, that you're going to win I want to tell you something else he was in grave danger because of the corruption he followed if we were to read tonight from 2 Samuel 16 and 20 Absalom was so taken up with Ahithophel's advice that what he did was, because Ahithophel had advised him, he took all his father's concubines into his tent on the rooftop of the palace in Jerusalem in the sight of all Israel. It was an open public sin. It was a brazen, immoral sin. This was a sordid, rotten thing to do. And, and young Absalom lost his morality. Here he is living in a cesspool of moral corruption. Sin is eating away at his soul. You see, all of Absalom's danger can be traced to one thing, young people. And be traced back to sin. The course he adopted. He cast aside his many privileges and chose the path of sin and rebellion. The companions he embraced... He was following bad advice. The confidence he displayed was because of his pride. Pride in himself and his ability. The corruption he was following. It all placed this man, this young man, in grave jeopardy. Now young people, what about you tonight? Have you rebelled against God because of sin? And that Despite God placing you in a good home, you, you, you've chose to rebel against the gospel and the word of God and the house of God and the day of God and the Christ of God. And, and you, like Absalom, you've thrown caution to the wind and you're casting it all away. For what? A life of sin. A life of sinful pleasure and lust. The course you're on is not good. The companions and friends that you have, they're, they're not good for you. I was told when I was converted, friends will laugh you into hell, but they'll never laugh you out of it. Your friends have no time for God and the gospel. No time for Christ. 
And yet, despite the course and the companions, you're so confident. You think you're invincible. You can do as you please. You can live without God. Listen to what Solomon said. And Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived apart from Christ. This is what he said. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Let thine heart cheer thee in the ways of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things, God will bring thee in to judgment. Absalom was born in sin. So have you. Absalom was living in sin. So are you. So this is a fitting question. Is the young man safe? And the answer to that question is no, he wasn't. And the Reverend Mercer, who also preached many years ago in this passage of scripture in the Mourn Church, said this, and I quote, certainly not if he's in the drink, if he's getting drunk at the weekend, if he's in the nightclub, he's not safe. If he's doing drugs, if he's watching pornography on the internet, if he's in bad company, if, if he's idle regards the things of God, he just has an outward profession, but no possession of Christ. If he's not in the house of God on the Sabbath, if he's neglecting private devotions, not safe in time and not safe in eternity. So young people, this is a fitting question. I want to say secondly, and listen to me just for a few minutes, this is a fatherly question. You see, when I read this question, I've read it twice, it's mentioned in the Bible, um, 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 29, and it's also mentioned again in the verse 32, is the young man Absalom safe? When I thought about this question, I thought about the sentiments of a father. I wasn't thinking of David as king. And I want you to understand David's feeling here as a father. He's a loving, compassionate, sympathetic father. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, even a wicked, rebellious son. He doesn't enter into judgment on Absalom. He just asked. Is the young man safe? He knows too that he also was a father as a sinner. He knows about his own sin, his own failures, his own follies in his own life. But in this question, I hear a father's love. Didn't he say to his three generals whom he split the army into three parts, deal gently with the young man Absalom for my sake? I don't believe David was being a soft, indulgent parent. David's a man after God's own heart. He's a heart of mercy, a heart of pity. He knows that God is a God full of redemption, a God of compassion, with whom there's forgiveness of sins that one must be feared. I hear here the voice of the true heart of a parent. This is a heartfelt cry. What parent doesn't feel or bleed when his own son or daughter's in rebellion. And I want to tell you, it doesn't stop when they're just children. Absalom was now a teenager. He could have been in his early 20s. And David's still anxious for him. And even though Absalom has spurned his love, David wants him to be spared. 
He wants him to be rescued. He wants him to be safe. The, the word safe literally means well. Is the young man Absalom well? See, David wanted him arrested, brought to Jerusalem, tried, maybe imprisoned for a time, even exiled, even banished. That's what happened to Absalom before, whenever he slew his own brother for, for raping his sister. See, David knew the wages of sin is death. But David also knew if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, what about us? How do we see people tonight? That's important. Do we sit in judgment? Or have we got a heart of love? Do we have a heart of grace and compassion? Do we see people as sheep without a shepherd? Have we got a spirit of true forgiveness, remembering our own failures and follies? Or are we harsh and judgmental and cold and, and loveless and, and say, well, that person's a rebel. That person's a traitor. Off with his head. Put him in eternity. See, this was a fatherly question. Could I just finish? This was also a fearful question. When David asked, is the young man safe? The answer to that question, David knew in his heart. See, Absalom was dead. He died in loneliness. He lost his life on the battlefield. What had happened was, in the wood of Ephraim, he was riding a mule. The mule was a an animal fit for a king to ride. The generals had been told, do not be too harsh on the young man. Some young man came and told Joab that he saw uh, Absalom hanging by his hair on a oak tree. He wasn't looking where he was going. And Job went to where he was. Joab was a, a merciless, bloodthirsty man without mercy. And he took three darts and he plunged him into the heart of Absalom. And then ten men that were Job's armor bearers, they lifted their swords and smote Absalom and, and finished him outright. Here was young Absalom facing the horror of death and he's facing it alone, hanging in an oak tree with his legs dangling down, a situation that he couldn't escape from. He perished and he died alone. And I want to tell you that was a horrible death for young Absalom. He died in loneliness. And do you know that tonight that the Bible tells you, Jesus said, if you die in your sins where I am, there you cannot be. To me, that's the worst death of all. He said it three times. Where I am, there you cannot be if you die in your sins. And he not only died in loneliness, but he died in hopelessness. I've already told you this was a a situation he couldn't escape from. This was a day of reaping and a day of reckoning because the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. You see, David expected an answer. The runner told him the news. Ahimai was gentle. Cushai was brutal. Is he safe? Notice what Cushai says. He says, the enemies of my Lord, the king, and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt, be as that young man is. And what's David's response? How does he react? Look at verse 33. 
And the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, thus he said, O oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I died for thee, O oh, Absalom, my son. Do you know what he was weeping over? He was weeping over a wasted life. I want to ask tonight, are you in Christ? Are you living for Christ? Are you living for Christ through the strength of Christ? That one day you have this aspiration to go to be with Christ. Absalom died in loneliness. But you don't have to die in loneliness. David's already given his testimony. And the Bible tells us, Psalm 23, verse 4, Here's how those are in Christ will die. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. In the valley of the shadow of death for the child of God, they're not alone. They're not dying in loneliness or hopelessness. Why? Because they're in Christ. The Bible says, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. But you see, Absalom died. And he wasted his life. A young man cut down in the prime. And how many young men in our country have died with a wasted life because of addiction to alcohol or addiction to drugs or, 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 or driving recklessly in their car or, or, or doing something daft or stupid. It's as if they're cut off before their time. Absalom not only wasted his life, but Absalom lost his soul. We have no reading in the Bible that Absalom repented and cried to God for mercy. But you tonight have opportunity. You, you tonight can repent. If you realize you're a sinner and you need to be saved, you can ask Christ to save you. You, you can receive the Savior now. The Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Isn't it interesting that David said here about Absalom, oh, that I had died for thee. Why would David have changed places with Absalom? Well, he was his father, but it's more than that. David was a saved man, and he was ready for heaven and home. And, and he would have been happy if he had died that day, and Absalom would have been spared because Absalom would have had opportunity to repent and receive Christ. Young people, there's a substitute has already given himself. His name is Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us, but God commended his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you know Christ? Do you love Christ? Are you living for Christ? Are you loyal to Christ? That's very important. I leave this question with you. Is the young man safe? And you ask yourself tonight, Young boy, young girl. Because this applies to the young girls too. It applies to the boys and girls. It applies to the mummies and daddies. Are you safe tonight? What do you mean, preacher? Are you in Christ? Are you living for Christ, through Christ, to go to be with Christ? Only you can answer. I leave that question with you. Is the young man safe? Are you safe? We're going to bow together and we were to prayer. And um, we're really delighted to have the fellowship with ministerial colleagues. And I'm going to ask our good brother, Gareth Wilson. He's going to lead us in prayer. And he'll also give thanks for the food. And because it's 25 past nine, we'll dispense with the closing hymn. Let's all pray. 
Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank thee for this meeting tonight. We thank the Lord for the singing of the hymns together, for the word of testimony, for the report, the reading of scripture. We thank the Lord as well tonight for thy word. We praise the Lord that it is thy word that giveth light. Lord, we pray that this night that thy word will shine into some darkened soul. And Lord, we pray for some young man, some young woman. Lord, in this meeting tonight out of Christ, oh God, we pray that they might flee tonight to the refuge for their souls, the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we pray that tonight they'll come and that they might be rescued, they might be redeemed, Lord, that this night they might be saved. Oh God, we pray you'll even glorify thy name through the salvation of the lost tonight, we pray. Speak on, we pray, as the voice of man falls silent. We pray, Lord, for that still small voice of God. Oh, Heavenly Father, we pray, strive with each one tonight. May each young person tonight make sure that it's well with their soul. We pray, Lord, you'll take our thanks for the good things prepared. We ask, O oh God, that as we eat and drink, may we do so to the glory of God. Always be mindful of the needs of others, and then part us with the blessing of God as we go our separate ways a little later. In the Saviour's name we pray. Amen. Amen. 